good to see you, man. Look at you. You must be on sabbatical. You are on sabbatical. Okay. JD is a assistant pastor, um, executive pastor. I'm sorry, at, uh, Coastal, a good friend of ours. He and his wife. Good to see you guys this morning. Good to see you guests um, that are here. Um, family, I'm glad you guys made it back over here from corporate landing from last week. Um, and so, uh, anyway, I'm Pastor Marshall, for those who didn't know. Um, bye, Declan. <laughs> oh, man. I'm glad you're here. We're, we're, in a, we're wrapping up our series called Red Letters, where we're talking about the, the different um, letters that were written in the Gospels of, for, uh, of what Jesus said. Um, Red Letter Series is what we're calling it. And I've been challenging you, and I hope that you have take up, taken up my challenge. If you don't have that much time, you can read the, the book of Mark. Mark gives a snapshot of the gospel, and, and you can read the red letters there if you're, if you're low on time. But if you have a lot of time on your hands, maybe you can read the red letters of Matthew. It's a little bit more lengthy. Um, I'm not going to ask for show of hands how many have been reading the red letters of Christ, but I hope this series have inspired you to do that. So um, anyway, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. I felt with all that was going on, and I asked the Lord. I had another message to, to do, and I felt the Lord led me to... Um, share this one with you this week. We're in Matthew chapter 5, um, where I'm going to talk to you from where Jesus says, what Jesus calls as blessed. Um, Jesus calls us blessed, and yet many of us think that um, the term means something that we get externally. A lot of us put on social media, hashtag blessed, um, right? Um, sometimes because it's a job situation, we say hashtag blessed, I'm hashtag blessed. We, sometimes we, we get raises, we get, uh, uh, we have our family situations going good, our health is good, and we say we're blessed. But blessed has nothing to do, nothing to do, church, with what happens on the external. And that's what we're going to see in our Red Letter series today. Blessed, blessedness has nothing to do with the external. And so um, look with me in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to go there and, and see what Jesus says. What does it mean? What does it mean to be blessed? Matthew chapter 5. It'll be on the screens if you don't have the Bible with you. It says in verse 1, Seeing the crowds, he went up. Jesus went up on the mountain. Where did he go? He went on the mountain. He went on the mountain, and he sat down. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I want you to understand that high times in our life teach us what it means to live in low times. I said high times in our lives teach us what it means to really live in low times. And so there was a crowd gathering, and Jesus pulls away from the crowd, and he goes up to this mountain, and he begins to teach because they started gathering around him. And I wondered, I wondered when I looked at this passage, you know, so many times we try to take everybody with us when we, when we go higher in our lives, but everybody won't go. Everybody don't go. The text says, you see in the next verse, that the disciples were there. And I imagine there were a few stragglers of the crowd that made it there. But everybody won't go high when you go high. Okay. I don't know who that's for. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Verse 2 says, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those, church, are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, verse 6, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We, don't, we want to skip that part when it comes to blessedness. The peacemakers, the persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. When people talk about us because of what you represent. Verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you and Jesus, I might add. And Jesus. So I want to speak from the subject today for just a moment because there, there's something I want to do at the end. We're going to have communion at the end of service. Um, but I want to speak for the moment that we have from the subject, lessons on the mount. Lessons on the mount. It says that Jesus, seeing the crowds, went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Not everybody, but his disciples came to him, and he taught them about blessedness because they were living in some hard times. They were living in difficult times. Um, I told you before that Christianity represented a small sect of people. Um, Most of them followed the Roman Empire and and, and all that, and and Judaism didn't represent that much at the time. So Jesus taught his people what it meant to to be blessed. What an appropriate time to teach it. It was a difficult time. Tell somebody next to you, what goes up must come down. Y'all didn't say it like you believe it. What goes up must come down. So we find Jesus in the text. He's up on a mountain. He's up on a mountain, but yet he has to teach them about how to live in the valley. In the difficult time, they're up in the mountain. Picture this in your mind. They're up in the mountain, but yet they have to live in the valley. So he teaches them about blessedness. Blessedness. What goes up must come down, but that's not really the case. You know, I, 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 um, that's not always the case. I mean, I, I had an opportunity to watch this movie called Everest. Have you, have you ever seen it? Everest? Wow, 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 wow. That's all I can say is wow. I don't like to usually promote movies, but Everest was something. Uh, you, you need to watch it. I think it's on Netflix. I can't remember where I saw it from. But anyway, I watched this movie called Netflix. It's a biographical adventure about um, the story of those mountaineers who traveled in 1996 on an expedition, and they, goes off, they go off into, to climb Mount Everest, but eight of them died in the expedition. expedition, expedition I can't say it right this morning. Eight of them died. Two of them were very, very experienced uh, mountaineers. People pay good money to climb Everest. Did you know that? They pay good money. They train for years to climb Everest. But in this particular situation, nine pe- uh, eight people died as they ascended to Mount Everest. I told you what goes up should come down, but that's not always the case. I, I love a good movie, so when it, when it comes to movies, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that's got, that's got the popcorn. I go to the movies, and I like to have, you know, the, my popcorn, my snacks before the preview start. Um, I got to see it all. I got to take it all in. Um, when I'm watching a movie at, at home, I got to know what the movie's about. You know, I, I, I like to look at the little, okay, this is a storyline about what this is, whatever. Now I'm ready. Got my snacks. I'm ready. Um, I love dramas. I love suspense th- thrillers, and I love dramas. I love drama, dramas in my movies, but I don't like it in my life. 
Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany is different. She likes reality TV. She likes reality. <laughs> she likes reality TV like uh, the first 48, Snapped, stuff like that where you know, people are getting killed. If something ever happens to me, y'all just tell them, just investigate. You know, she loved him, but just investigated because she watches all these, all these shows that makes me wonder. <laughs> she knows how to take somebody out. But, but she likes reality shows like that. I, I like the drama and, and sometimes the thrillers. So um, <laughs> this particular evening, our cinematic uh, taste came together for the movie Everest. And, and I, thought it was, I thought it was interesting that we would be in agreement for the movie. Um, and what was interesting to me about the movie is the amount of people who train for that. And how many people who go to climb Everest, Mount Everest, every year, still to this day. I mean, since, since the 96 tragedy, there's been people who've been there and died, been there and died, that went up, that never came back down. Um, and, 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 that, and that just really, um, that just really got to me. I, I did a little research on it, you know, Google, you can find everything out on Google. I did a little research about Everest and found out some more details about how much it costs to go and, and how, many, how many years you have to train to get your body ready for it and everything. Psychologists say this, and I, 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 thought, I thought this was interesting. Psychologists say, um, there was a study done at Clarkson University, and they say that when it comes to decision making, um, most adventure seekers are self-dependent. And I, I started getting some answers here. They say that most adventure seekers, you know, people that skydive, Beth, people that skydive, people that scuba dive, you know, adventure seekers, people that climb mountains, they're, they're, they're self-dependent. They rely on a skill set or a mindset that sometimes overrides the fear of what they're taking on. And so when I, when I, when I, when I read that, I, I thought about the people um, that climbed Everest because, you know, they're, they're, they, they had this attitude. When you watch the movie, they had this attitude that they wanted to get to the summit. They wanted to get to the top. That was the goal. Regardless of what they were experiencing, regardless of the knowledge of what they were experiencing, they, it overrode the wisdom that they should have used to get back down. So over 200 people have died, frozen, stuck, and remain on Everest since people first started climbing it, over 200 people. I thought that was interesting. Uh, one, one is such Indian climber. He, he was famous um, for, for being stuck by this cave, and they called him Green Boots. Um, so in there, as you're ascending up Everest, you would see this climber frozen, and, and, and all you can see his boots and, and some of his pants or whatever. And that, he's, he's a marker. He's a marker as you climb up. When you get by this, this certain cave, it lets you know how far you go. And since then, there's been other people who've died and are frozen stuck, and they have become markers of how far they've gone or how far to go or how far, and reminders to get back, how to get back. Mm. I, I, I don't want to be a marker for other people to know how to do something in that, in that, in that regard. But those people who are left on Everest today are markers. They're lessons to the living. I think, I think church is important for us to know how to live with our achievements. But the lessons of our spiritual life are, uh, isn't how high we go. It's how you descend. How do you live in a valley? The lessons on the mountain are for living in the valley. 
Um, and each of us have to deal with moments where we don't feel blessed. We don't feel blessed. And yet, we have a reality that we have to face. So moments when our we have moments in our circumstances where we seem to get the uh, that seem to get the best of us. We have moments where 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 we have marital problems, we have financial problems, we experience loss, we experience things that we grieve, we experience wealth sometimes, and we experience achievement. Those external things, those external things doesn't mean they don't mean that we're how blessed you are because we go through a hardship or because you go, we get a raise on your job. That doesn't mean how blessed you are or the lack thereof blessing, of blessedness. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that. To think that blessedness is a thing that we achieve is a shallow view of, of blessedness. So Jesus teaches us what does it mean to be in a blessed state. So the Sermon on the Mount Really, it starts here in Matthew 5, but it really goes to Matthew 6 and Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of Jesus, it's Jesus going up this one mountain, and he's talking to his people, and he's talking to this people from this one mountain. There's 12 mountains that are particularly special in the area, but Jesus goes up this one, and he's, he gives this great sermon. The, the Sermon on the Mount is known as one of the greatest sermons ever preached, the first sermon Jesus ever preached. It's not known for the mountain like Everest. It's known for the message. Yeah. The message on the mountain is not, is not meant to teach us something. Sometimes we think that the lessons on the mountain is meant to teach us something, but the, the lessons on the mountains aren't to teach us something. The lessons on the mountain when it comes to blessedness, church, is to make us something. Wow, I know I wouldn't get any agreements on that yet, but I'm going to help you with that. The Sermon on the Mount is called the Beatitudes. It's called the blessings. It means the blessings in Latin. It means the blessings. The Beatitudes teach the believer the attitudes that we should be. Everybody say the attitude. We should be. The Beatitudes. Wow, you might not have known that. The Sermon on the Mount is also called the Beatitudes. The, it's the attitudes we should be. So when I say that the lesson on the Mount isn't to teach us something, it's to make us something. That's where I'm going. If Jesus calls you blessed, then that's what you should be. Amen? Okay, okay. We're not, we're not being blessed. Blessedness is our present state before God, and we are blessed whether we feel like it or not. Okay, I'm setting you up for something. The happiest people on earth should be blessed, not because of their external circumstances, because of their internal circumstances. Did you get that? The happiest people on earth aren't blessed for their external circumstances, what they achieve. They're blessed for their internal circumstances. I'm going to break it down for you like you're a fourth grader. For their internal Circumstances. So the best way to know how blessed you are is to look at the markers in your life. And Jesus gives us eight markers in Matthew 5. Like green boots, he gives us eight markers so we can know how far that we've come in the mountains of our life, so we know how to live in the valley of our lives. So when, we're, when we are blessed, this is what pastor means. When we're blessed, 
I want to mark how far we've come. First thing he says that we're poor in spirit. I'd rather be poor in spirit than be rich in pride. The poor, to be poor in spirit means that the first thing that we have to understand as Christians, as, as called out people, is that we are poor in spirit. Spiritually, we need a God that's bigger than ourselves. And so for the poor in spirit, they say, God, I need you. I'm not Marshall dependent anymore on my skill set and mindset. I'm God dependent. The poor in spirit, those that see themselves living in sin and being and falling fall short, they fall short from what God has for them. You're not self-dependent. Jesus says inside you have to come have the awareness that you need to be God dependent. It's the first marker. Then he says that we understand that, that the mourning, uh, those that mourn will be comforted. So we have to understand, church, that mourning is, unavo- is unavoidable. We'll, we'll mourn our jobs when we lose a job. We'll mourn losses in our lives. Everyone does. We'll mourn the sin. When, when we come to Christ, we have to mourn and turn away from sin and the things we used to like doing to discover the things Jesus will show us that we should love doing. We have to mourn that. We have to mourn that. Mourning is unavoidable. But we can be confident that we'll be comforted. We shall be comforted by God. So mourning is a marker. How do we deal with mourning? We don't see meekness as weakness is the third marker. We don't see meekness as weakness, but as a way to glorify God. Jesus might appear meek in Scripture, but he was strong. It was Jesus that, remember, when he went into the temple, he turned over tables, started whipping people because they were selling stuff in the temple. But yet he had a holy restraint. He didn't cuss. <laughs> he still went to the cross when he could have called everybody to die, caused everyone to die. We don't see meekness as weakness. When we are blessed, we are blessed when we don't have a perfect life, but we hunger and thirst for it. Yeah, that's, an, that's another marker. How do you know you're blessed internally? It's when you don't have a perfect life. But do you have a hunger and thirst for righteousness? Do you hunger and thirst to have one? That, I, I'm in that camp. I'm, how about you? My life isn't perfect. Even as your pastor, my life isn't perfect. But I hunger to have a perfect life before God. I hunger to be an inspiration for God. And we have to keep that in mind because that's a marker. Have you seen people that have been marked that way? Like, man. They don't have it all together, but I'd rather have her or him praying for me. Have you, have you known people like that that are markers? Yeah, hopefully that'll be you. Another marker. We are blessed when we recognize we must show mercy to receive mercy. Yeah. You don't get it without, without giving it. It's better to give than to receive, they say. Um, we recognize we must show mercy to receive mercy. And God's been merciful to all of us. 
Thank him for his grace. So mercy is a marker. We are blessed when we guard against impure motives because God sees our heart. When pastor's not looking, when he's not stalking your Facebook, you know, and your Instagram, the things you do for the gram, are your motives still pure? God sees the heart. It's a marker. We are blessed, church, when we are identified by peacemaking rather than provoking. The Bible talks about even a parent not even provoking the children to wrath. Are you known for provoking more than peacemaking? I ask myself that all the time. It's a marker. And then the last one is we're blessed when persecution comes, when we know that persecution comes with a call. A lot of people come to Christianity, we think that, oh, well, because I'm saved, because I give my life to Christ, everything's going to go away. All my problems are going to go away. Everything's going to be fine now. Persecution comes with a call. Once you've been marked by the blood of Jesus Christ, when you've been marked by the blood of the Lamb, when you have that target on, the in, on, your, on your back that the enemy sees and he throws those fiery darts, the scriptures say, and he throws those fiery darts because he knows what's going to tempt you, Steve, and he knows it's not going to tempt Jay. So he has these fiery darts that he knows how to get, he, he knows how to hit the bullseye and agitate you, to discourage you, to tempt you. For Christ's sake, it's a marker when you realize you've been persecuted for Christ's sake. Mm. But you have to know this, that Psalms 46.1 says, our God is our refuge. He's our strength. When you've been persecuted, he's our refuge. He's our strength. He's a very present help in a time of trouble. Uh, and then we're done when we, when I give you this. Jesus taught that blessedness is a progression according to scripture. That's what these eight traits show us. These eight markers, they show us the progression of a Christian walk. We start off poor in spirit and we realize, God, I can't do this on my own. I keep messing it up. I keep failing. I keep falling and sometimes falling forward. But yet, God, I need you. I'm poor in spirit. I realize the state that I'm in. So, God, I need something bigger than myself, greater than myself. You be the reason I wake up in the morning. You be the reason why I wash my face and I get myself back together and I go back out and I try to try to task again. You are the reason, Lord. I'm poor in spirit. And yet we move on to meekness and peacemaking. It's a progression. It's a spiritual progression. And that's what Jesus wanted, him, wanted them to know. So he, he takes them up on the mountain to show them how to live in the valley. You follow me? Mm. Warren, Wisby, Warren Wendell Wiersbe said this. He noted, well, he noted this. We begin our spirit, we, we begin our own sense of, we begin with our own sense of sin, poor in spirit, and then as we become children of God, the results of how we live follow. So we begin seeing ourselves, and then we end seeing the results as we go along. You start to see the results. We begin seeing ourselves, God, I need you. 
and then we end seeing the results. Y'all follow me? We begin seeing ourselves. This is where I am before you, God. And then we end seeing ourselves until we become like him, and then we'll be with him because we've been marked. We've been marked. So what makes us blessed? The results, internal results of a spiritual progression makes us blessed. So Jesus said this. He said, we are, write this down. If you, if you, have, it on, if you have a phone, if you're, if you're writing or something like that, you, I don't want you to trust this to memory. I'm going to give it to you again. So I want you to write this down. We are destined for heaven. What makes us blessed are the results. Knowing that you are destined for heaven. What makes us blessed? Knowing that we are comforted. What makes us blessed? Knowing that we'll obtain an inheritance one day. We get an inheritance. A heavenly inheritance. What makes us blessed? We shall be satisfied. Oh man, how many people are not satisfied? We shall be satisfied. Then it goes on to say, what makes us blessed? We're just talking about the results. We shall receive mercy. We are to show mercy, but we shall receive mercy. What makes us blessed is we shall see God. Oh my gosh. That, that, that's, that's enough right there. We shall see God. Do you know at the moment someone dies, I read this somewhere in, in my academic studies that at the moment of death, it's, it's, it's challenged that the unbeliever sees death while the believer sees God. Have you ever seen someone die in peace? Man, the peace on their heart over their face in their life, they shall see God. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. What makes us blessed are the results. Jesus said, Jesus said, not Marshall, not the pastor. Jesus said that we shall see God. He said we shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Oh my gosh, we've been marked. When we, shall, when we are persecuted, we are in the company of Christ. Those are results of being marked. The results. So what does it mean to be blessed, Pastor? I, I'll give you this again. What does it mean to be blessed? It's simply a present state. It means, it means a present state of being with a contemporaneous result, an existing result. A present state of being, internal being, with a contemporaneous result, an existing result. We see the results of our blessedness. Man, that's the reason to rejoice and be glad. Verse 12, Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. And then he's taking them back down the mountain. And he's saying that you're going to be salt, you're going to be light to the world. You shall have a profound effect because people are going to realize that you are marked and that you, you're going to be the salt. You're gonna, they're going to see you and they're going to thirst for me. They're going to they're gonna see you and they're going to see me, not darkness anymore. 
they're going to have a profound effect of their blessedness. The victorious attitude, the victorious be attitude is not that you have something. It's not that you achieve something. It's that you are something. <laughs> oh, man. That's what woke me up this morning. It's, it's, it's not that the, the be attitude that we need to have, be attitude, the attitude I need to have, the mindset I need to have, and the skill set I need to walk in. It's not that I've achieved anything. It's not that I have anything. It's that I am going to be something. My, my blessedness is the attitude that determines our altitude. Oh, man, if you came for nothing else, it's your attitude that determines determines your altitude so you'll know how to get back down and live in the valley. Amen. Would you stand with me? Kids, you guys are coming. I want to pray for you, but as the kids come, I'm going to ask a couple ushers to come down. Indy, um, yeah. As the kids take their seat, Take your seats with your family or off to the side, however you guys want to do it. I need one over here and one over here. I want to pray for you that, man, this was a hard one for me today. Ooh, this was a hard one. But I want to pray for you that, that you get it, that you get it, that no matter what you're facing, yet you realize that Jesus calls, Jesus calls. Everybody look right here. I want you to leave here today knowing that Jesus calls you blessed because that's what you are. So be the attitude. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to lift your word from the text, to be able to teach it in such a way, Lord, in a simple way that would illustrate what it means to be yours from where we start to where we finish. Help us to be markers for the kingdom that are salt and light to the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys may be seated. I'm going to have the, the ushers.